all musicians, wake the fuck up. Everybody who grew up with me, you know, I have always been like, go. Let's go. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the show. This show is called Go. I'm live with Grayson Nekrutman. Nekrutman, get it right. We're, we're calling you Grayson Nekrutman. You did it right. Most people don't. You feel good about it? Finally, yes. Nice to meet you, brother. Nice to finally meet you. Nice to finally meet you. We got to meet last night in person. Yes. You came and drummed at the Jam Jam. Mm-hmm. Your first Jam Jam experience. Mm-hmm. How was Incredible. it? You, what do you Incredible. think? Give me feedback. So cool. Well, it was a little shocking when I first got there because I walked in and saw the space and I was kind of, I even asked you, I was like, what is this? <laughs> I, I was like, I, I was not expecting that, especially where the where it was, you know, walking in. I was like, huh? Um, but instantly the amount of people, that was shocking too. Like just all the people that I either saw online and were finally meeting in person or people I already knew in person, uh, to see them all in one place at one time was pretty crazy. It really was. Hey man, I, I saw people seeing you too. It's the kid from the internet. Literally. I know that guy. There was a lot of like, we've never met, but I know you. And then it was awkward. Sometimes it's like, well, I don't, I don't know you. So who are you? Dude, that's a beautiful thing about today. It is. So you are 20 years old mm-hmm. and you have established yourself via social media, mm-hmm. which is great. That's how I heard about you. Mm-hmm. And that's a blessing because when I was 20, that wasn't an option, right? Mm-hmm. Or I guess it was like the beginning of it maybe mm-hmm. being an option. But mm-hmm. um, I love that because I feel like by the time I got to meet you, like we just met yesterday for the first time in person. And then we actually got to do a little dual drum at the jam jam, which was nice. So much fun. And now today we're doing this, which is great, but it's awesome because I feel like, uh, I, I know a a piece of you, Mm -hmm. right? I know what you're into. Mm -hmm. I know that you love rock and roll and you love jazz Mm -hmm. and you love big band. And I think the big band side of you was like the first thing that I discovered of you where, where you stood out to me. Cause I was like, this kid swings, man. This kid's burning. Thank you. And, I didn't know how young you were. Or I didn't know where you were from because mm-hmm. these days, you know, I it's could, a mystery. Yeah. Does he live in Russia? Like, where does he, <laughs> <laughs> where does this kid live? He lives in Russia. Yeah. Do they have Oralex there? I see the foam <laughs> on the studio. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, so like, for, congratulations. Thank you. On, uh, on the platform that you have grown in, in you. your fan base. And, uh, and I like that. Like when I brought it up, uh, I hit up with, so a week ago we decided to do this jam jam and, mm-hmm. Uh, and I hit up Terrace mm-hmm. and I was like, how about this kid? And I sent him your Instagram and his response was, I've seen that kid before. Trevor Lawrence Jr. Sent me this kid. So it's, it's gone. It's, mm-hmm. it's like, it's starting to go around. So now it's like up to you mm-hmm. to show people who you are in real life. Absolutely. Let them know your personality. Mm-hmm. And since mm-hmm. I've just met you yesterday, I can tell you're like, good kid. Thank you. Nice guy. Thank got you. a good head on your shoulders. You're clearly a hard worker. I want to talk about your work mm-hmm. ethic. Cause I, I, I know that's the only way that you got to where you are. Absolutely. So. I tend to start these interview off these interviews off with just long winded me talking yeah. and no question or maybe Perfect. ten questions baked into one. Perfect. So, Whatever. Uh, with that being said, <laughs> interrogation starts now. <laughs> no lie detector. So you had fun at the Jam Jam, and now incredible. you're here in LA, mm-hmm. which is great, and uh, and you're here to show people that you are a real life human being. Yes, not, not just a video, not just someone on the internet. So, no. how did you? How did you start building this following? Like, was it an idea? Was it intentional? Mm. Or did you just start making videos and then all of a sudden, like one popped off? Like what happened? So when I was 10, I became very, very ill. Almost died. Yeah, it was crazy. Had a long story of health issues. I've said 
uh, previously on some podcasts. Never went too into detail, yeah. but I basically had nothing. Drums was my only thing because at 10 years old, everybody's starting to find like their clicks and school and stuff. So yeah. I didn't really have friends. All I had was drums and my drum teacher and my parents. So I was playing a hospital bed rails. And I remember my mother, I'm going to say like, I had just gotten out of the hospital. Or I was just about to go into the hospital or something. Um, she was like, let's make a video for YouTube. And we just made like a random groove. And then around 2012 was when Instagram like, you know, started to grow. And I think it was like still 15 second videos, but she just started posting for me. And I'm not going to say I didn't know, but I didn't really care. I was like 12 or whatever. Yeah. 10. Um, and she started posting and it really didn't mean anything to me at first. And then it was more of it was more of it was then I remember one day she's like, uh, Grayson, Travis Barker commented. And I was like 10 and I was like, what? <laughs> like he found me through the internet. Like, yeah. what is this? So then slowly over the years, as I got better and healthier and stuff, I started slowly getting more involved in it, like planning out what I was going to play, whether like it was a groove or like a fill or like, um, it's genre. And then eventually at, I'm going to say 14 or 15, I took it over like fully 15 or so, like just me, mom got out. Um, still completely supportive, watches all the videos, but it was fully me now. And I started posting grooves and fills and like I did transcriptions at one point of like, here's a fill I play and how to break it down. And just like my analytical thinking, my dad's you know, business, I was trying to think of what would do best. And I realized that the Jasta was doing way better than anything by far. Like I would post a rock video to get X amount of views, jazz video 2X. And I'm like, what is it? And I wasn't even that good. You know, I was still learning. I'd only started playing jazz at like 16, yeah. 17 like seriously, but something about that style had caught people. And that's when I was like, okay, number one, social media is powerful. Like, cause like if people Travis Barker level are finding me at 10 years old, something's weird. You don't want to ignore that. Yes. There's something there. And then slowly more gigs, more opportunities and people. And I was like, okay, this is, this is serious. This is really, really serious from that point. And when you were posting these jazz videos, was it these, were you doing these split screens? Like no. Something? So what the first, so the first ones were just, um, so at the time when I got more into the jazz videos, I was playing with the Jazz Lincoln Center Youth Orchestra nice. in New York City. So a lot of it was either uh, footage of me playing with them or songs we were working on. Like I would literally practice it, the song I had to learn for the gig yeah. and then record it and post it. And then I remember the last concert and show I ever performed with that group before leaving, I posted and it blew up. It was really strange. Um, it was in New York City. And then the second time, there was like a little bump, which I realized was I played a Buddy Rich Love for Sale cover. And the reason I did that was because people were commenting that um, all those jazz grades played in suits. And that it's great that you can play these fills, but you know, they were playing in suit jackets, Art Blake and all them, and it's really constricted and all that stuff. And me being me, I was like, well, I'll, I'll prove you wrong in the nicest way possible. So I was like, what if I just wear a suit in my basement just to like kind of shut them up, to yeah. be honest with you? So I did, and it was love for sale, and that blew up. And people were like, who's wearing a suit in their basement playing jazz covers now? <laughs> no one knows you're in your basement. No, but, exactly. Yeah, but, I, the first video I saw was probably love for sale, yeah, mm -hmm. it was, and it was you wearing the suit, mm -hmm. and I was like... But the fact that you were wearing a suit was probably subliminal to me. I wasn't really paying attention, mm -hmm. but I was just more so like you looked the part, mm -hmm. and you sounded the part, mm -hmm. and you were young. Mm-hmm. And it sounded locked. And those are really hard to play locked, especially playing, because I'm assuming, I'm like, is he just, he's just 
having audio playback is playing over it. It's yeah. hard to do. Learned it no for no note. click, no, all that kind of stuff. No, no for note. So I, I admired that. And I was like, uh, and I probably watched it a couple times, sent it to a few people, which is probably what happened and how that video probably. popped off. So Thank that was you. the one that popped off for you. That was the first one that popped off. How yeah, long was ago lo- was that? Oh, two, two and a half, maybe three years now. Yeah. Yeah. And then it, it would be like one would pop off. Then it would be like, I would keep that amount of traction for like three, four videos. Then it would go. Right. And then I would kind of need to find something that in my mind, I would say, what would interest people? Yeah. So then I would come up with another idea and maybe that would pop off. Like I did like more recently, I'm doing the comic, you know, the cartoon videos yes. that popped off or like doing crazy random rock videos would pop off. And my idea was just purely business of like, how can I get more, more attention, but yeah. not in a negative way, not in like a selfish way, but more getting myself out there. How can yeah. I get, you know, get eyeballs. More tra- exactly yeah, more yeah. eyeballs on you. Which is fine. It's it's okay to say that exactly. because, and we were just talking about this briefly when you walked in, but you know, you as a drummer are an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. You're an individual. Mm-hmm. You have no boss. You are responsible for making your own income, making your living. Yep. And as a creative entrepreneur, you are freelance and therefore you don't get a paycheck. You're not getting everything two weeks. Doesn't matter how many nope. views you're getting nope. on your reels. It's not paying you. Or if it is now with Instagram paid, it's small, <laughs> not enough yeah. to live, no. not enough to live. So so it's, it's, it's okay mm-hmm. to say you're doing that mm-hmm. strategically or to get uh, I think it's interesting. That's an interesting conversation. I think we'll get into that because it's like some people look down on that. Or some you, you some must people see are that. haters and just look down on whatever. It, do, it doesn't yeah, matter. True. You have to do you as an entrepreneur. Absolutely. You, you are you. Yeah. You should do what feels good to you. Mm-hmm. And you should look at the market and see what are people responding to. And if what they're responding to is also something that feels good to you. Do it. That's your move. Do it. If what they're responding to is something that you tried, but you don't like it, maybe don't do it. Cause mm-hmm. what you like and what feels good to you is more important than anything. Cause what could happen is someone responds like, let's say you hate jazz, but you made a jazz video <laughs> and it popped off. You're like, oh, I have to make another one of these jazz yeah, videos. I never want to do that. You don't want to get stuck into no. something that you don't enjoy. No, no, like no. number one, enjoy what you do. Number two, how do you make a living based off what you enjoy? Absolutely. So you're doing that mm-hmm. right now. So mm-hmm. it's okay to be intentional. Mm-hmm. I, I love hearing that you're intentional mm-hmm. being like, okay, hey, this, oh, jazz popped off twice as much as rock. I'm going to do mm-hmm. more jazz. Mm-hmm. Oh, as soon as I put on a suit, next thing you know, I get more engagement. Okay. And less haters, mm-hmm. even though you can't cater to the haters, but there could be constructive feedback or suggestions in the haters or just in the internet Mm -hmm. world, (laughs) the world of comments, the world of the views and comments (laughs) posts. So I love that, man. I I think it's really smart of you to Mm -hmm. do that. So, okay. So you, you start doing that jazz pops off more than rock. Mm -hmm. Uh, you put on a suit based off feedback. Um, and then it starts going and then, so you're posting a video, one takes off and then a few days later it trickles down. Yeah. So, and, and then, then there was one big pop off. So it's crazy. Cause I still think about this. I get chills. So my grandmother passed away in October of, so it wasn't this October. It wasn't last October. It was the October before. So two years sorry. ago. Yeah. And the day she passed away, I recorded uh, the caravan drum solo, like, like cliche drum solo. I know. And that got like 9 million views. Wow. And it was the craziest thing because, like, I wasn't in the mood to record. And I kind of just was like, just like, I'll do it. It was like in the afternoon. I just like spent like six hours recording it and recorded it. And it didn't take off right away. On Instagram, it did. Like, the day of or the next day, it like got like 700 comments or whatever. And I was like, oh, it's cool. Post it on YouTube. It got copyrighted. And I was like, eh, whatever. Put it back up like a week later. Forgot about it. I look back, it's at like 1 million. No and then I look back, it's 3 million. On YouTube? Yeah. Wow. And now it's like 9, I think, or something like that. And I was just like, what? And that's when people were really like, 
funny as it sounds, people referring to me as that one video right. in person or what, oh, I saw your caravan, caravan video. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> caravan guy, yeah. Black caravan. So it's like, do it. Do it. I'm on the internet. Do it for me. I'm going to throw a chair at you. <laughs> but literally, like that, I realized the reach of one video was crazy. That one video. Why? I have no clue. So sometimes it makes sense, sometimes it doesn't. It, has, it makes no sense because yeah. there's other people who made that cover. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Other people did that drum solo. Why me? Right. You know? Uh, so I, I joked about this in my interview with, with Mark Juliana on this pod. We, we were talking about uh, the angle, right? Oh, like, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> and because uh, he was saying, it was actually really profound. I liked what Mark was saying. Mark was saying, like, you know, he, when he, he watches and he tries to not be influenced by other people's decisions in their playing or their whatever. But mm. then meanwhile, it's 2022 about to be 23. Mm -hmm. uh, there's so many ideas hitting you because you open up your phone and there's all these great drummers or all Every these great five guitarists. seconds. You can find a new person. There's a new person. And so then Mark was saying how he's like, okay, well, should I like, should I be doing solo drum videos? Cause before social and even, even really just recently in mm -hmm. social wasn't like solo instrumentalist videos no, popping off until no. the last few years, which is, I think, a really beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. So to not be influenced, was Mark was saying, to find his own voice and just mm -hmm. dig into it, mm -hmm. take influence, mm -hmm. but also if someone does something, he's like, well, that's their thing. I can't touch it. And I was like, that's really cool. And then I was kind of joking about like, okay, yeah, but if I get the right angle, I'll get more views, <laughs> right? So literally, yes. My question to you is <laughs> someone that gets a lot of views and tries the angles. Am, am I, it was my joke actually true <laughs> in terms of, have you noticed that this angle gets more views than this other angle. It depends. I, I've realized it ties into the thing Mark's saying, sort of, in the way of, for me, learning was lessons. So we'll go back to like all the beginning and let's start there and work to what you're talking about. So yeah. it was lessons. Took lessons from two teachers, Ed Balsamo and Justin Gallo, and, and Billy Reimer as well for a few years. But what was interesting was at a certain point, three amazing teachers, Billy's a close, close friend of mine, I didn't want to keep searching for like teachers. That makes sense. I felt like once I started, you know, seeing, you know, whether it was a camp or this or a clinic, people were starting to tell me conflicting things. And that's when I was realizing, wait a minute, certain things you should maybe learn that are proper or whatever you want to call it. But the rest you should develop maybe on your own mm. and develop what works for you and what sounds good for you and what you enjoy and what works for you and all that kind of stuff. So the same thing for making videos and learning happened to me. So like Mark say, Mark's saying, I personally wouldn't go on Instagram and just like see somebody, I don't know, let's say their 10-inch tom is mounted like up here, <laughs> you know, yeah. but they sound really cool in their video. I'm not going to go do that. But will I watch a Buddy Rich video from 1950 and be like, that's pretty sick. Maybe I should learn that one, like Ricardo Bofer from 99, like we were just talking about. Yeah. But I also, nowadays, won't set up my kid like Carter, even though when I was 10, I did. But it's the kind of thing of finding your own voice within it. But yeah, at the same time, playing the angle of what you're going to post and mm -hmm. what people enjoy, there's something to it. And I think it's no different than in the olden days, except it's online now. Yeah. So take the Basie band and those bands. Yeah, people come to see Basie and all that. But Sonny Payne did a drum solo. You can't hide the fact that, yeah, there was definitely some people buying tickets to go see him play a crazy solo, throw the sticks up, juggle. It's entertainment. For sure. And if you lose the entertainment aspect, that's so, so it, there's so much potential there, I should say, Yeah. for it as a drummer. If you lose all that spark and you're just kind of, I don't know, there's obviously a certain point where you should be in the back and, you know, let everyone else do their thing. 
but especially online, if you have the ability to, why not? Why not put yourself forward? Just like you're saying, you shouldn't hide the fact that it's a business. You shouldn't hide the fact that you should play right. and can play. And you also shouldn't hide the fact that you are influenced by others. You know, For sure. It's, it's tough because there are, the, there are some things you'll learn from somebody, make it your own, and then, yeah, technically it is your own. But I always say, oh, I learned this from yada yada. Yeah, you take influence that. and exactly. put, your own, put your own spin on it. Absolutely, 100%. So with that being said, and looking at your own videos... Does an angle work better than another angle <laughs> for you? Because it would only be for you. It's not like anyone could just copy and paste that and it won't necessarily work for them. The or jab. is that not something that you really think about? Angle as in posting content or? Yeah, specifically because I, 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 we are going to talk about your chops and all mm -hmm, that, but I'm mm -hmm. just in terms of social media strategy. Definitely. Well, I think the angle is definitely for me trying to mix jazz with my rock plan because I started as a rock drummer playing yeah. jazz. You know, and I never wanted to fit in. I never wanted to just be another like Tony Williams wannabe or like just like just play just to play, you yeah. know, just like be in the back. So my angle was always accentuate the entertainment aspect of it right. and get more people that aren't drummers to watch my videos. Yeah. And you I'm, do that. I'm posting on TikTok. And when I started posting on TikTok, I realized I was like, there's at least like 17 to like 25 year old guys and girls who like, they're not even musicians. And right. they're like, this is incredible. And I'm like, they're just like watch it because it's entertaining. Totally. So I think the entertainment aspect mixed with, hey, I can also play in a real life situation. So hire me is a good balance. It's like the equal balance of both. Which goes all the way back to Buddy Rich mm -hmm. and all those guys, the mm -hmm. original drummer entertainers. Oh, 100%. The leaders of the band. Thank you. Playing yep. on Ed Sullivan. Buddy Rich mm -hmm. band. Mm -hmm. The drummer band. Mm -hmm. And starting like in the 70s, it started to like drummer get in the back. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, Try the, the, trying to bring that, that back a little bit. What the hell? See, Ian Pace still had it. He did. Deep Purple still had it. <laughs> He's like, I'm going to solo all the way through the chorus into the verses into the there bridge. There you go. Every single fill. Yeah, Done. everyone's like, Done. yes. But Carter Beaufort too, a little bit. I mean, Carter is an anomaly. He is. One of my favorites. One of the. It's funny because one of the busiest drummers mm -hmm. in terms of notes and everything, mm -hmm. yet, yet so musical. Yeah that it contributes to the song. Mm -hmm. So you think of play to the song, you might think, oh, if I play to the song, that means I have to play something simple just that's just more tonal and time. just a groove that just holds it. But it's like, he's playing to the song and it's, it's, it's the most complex thing in the song. Dave Matthews Band in, in general is an anomaly. The fact that that, was, that, that got on pop radio, mm -hmm. which is amazing. Mm -hmm. Long songs, non-conventional structures. Yeah, just jamming too. Just jamming. And then Carter never playing a straight. Never. Never. Maybe one song. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine if he was like, crash into me, yeah. <laughs> Carter Beaufort's crying in yeah. the back right now. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> I love Carter. <laughs> we love Carter. But yeah, but that shout was out to Carter. Big shout out to Carter Booth. One of both of our uh, big influence, both of us. But okay, so you're talking about angle in terms of uh, what you're posting mm -hmm. for strategy mm -hmm. of okay, do I do is rock my angle, is jazz my angle? Mm -hmm. I'm talking camera angle. Mm. Is camera angle in this social media world of must be portrait. A thousand percent important. Must be portrait. And it's got to be on my left side a little bit to the there. I want it up a little bit. So it shows that my hi-hat, it opens a little more. And my snare is here. And you can see it. And it fills the, and I have to cut the bottom of the top of the snare head is the bottom of the frame. Tell is, me you think about your work. <laughs> Tell me you think about your work. 
I'm just come on, Elmo. <laughs> like, is this is is this it? I mean, I'm not a uh, social media drummer. I, I mean, I drumming isn't even anymore my focus. Yeah. Right? It was for yeah. 20 years, mm-hmm. but now it's uh, you know jam card is my focus. So. Absolutely. But obviously, there's so many mm-hmm. drummers, uh, both in the jam card community and as my peers, as my best friends. Like, still, and I'm still posting here and there me drumming, but like, yeah, I wonder if someone, because it's like your business, like you as an entrepreneur right now, your lead generator mm-hmm. is your Instagram, right? Yeah. That's going to bring you I, opportunities. I think it's so. interesting. Like a lot of people say like the whole Instagram drummer. I wouldn't call it that. It would, it's like, for me, I view it just as another tool, you know? Right. And the whole, I'm like the anti Instagram drummer. If that makes sense. Like there's people who are like the anti bodybuilder where they don't like follow that stuff. I'm right. like the anti drummer. So there's some drummers who I'm sure, you know, that are like, this lug, that lug, the yeah. camera, uh, nah, not me. Okay, I'm so like, not you is the answer. Yeah, no. Yeah. I'm like, I put the camera on the left side because people like to look at my left hand, done. Uh, a yeah. little high, little low, I don't care. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Simul, don't really care. Okay. Those are my own, great. Don't really So care. that's not what you're analyzing. You're no. Anal- you're I'd analyzing what, you, what you answered as the angle, which is more like, what am I playing? Yeah. Not I, where is my camera? I stopped yeah. worrying about, so shout out to Billy Reimer. He was yeah. the one who... Billy from Dillinger Escape Plan. Yes. Amazing. So yes. this is going to be an amazing clip right now. But basically, I'll tell you this story. So I came, first lesson, comes into my basement, sets on my drum set, tries the bass drum out. He's like, oh, this is way too tight. I was like maybe 14. Yeah. And me back then, like we're talking about very specific, everything had to be angled perfectly, <laughs> had like a panic attack. If not, like, you know, had to be like, don't touch anything. If my parents came down, don't touch the cymbals. Like they're perfect, you know. Snares tightened, perfect, the tune, awesome. He comes, he's like, ah, this bass drum's too tight. Takes the floor time, throws it, picks the, ba- picks the bass drum up and just starts loosening it up. And I'm like, takes off the <laughs> bass drum pedal. I'm like 14-year-old me, crying almost. I'm like, no, I'll never be perfect again. Yeah. Can I ever get it back there? But then he puts the floor time back and he starts ripping on the kit. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, so basically, in that five-second ripper, I realized this means absolutely nothing. I could play on tin cans and make it sound good if mm. you're really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he taught me that lesson, which I thank him, like, yeah. mentally every day. Because I play, and I'm like, if I get on a gig, like, last night. Prime example. No need to change the kit. Yeah. No need to, like, oh, this snare's a little too low for me. It's just, yeah. like, you play. You just, like, learn how to play. I hand you the sticks. I'm like, get on Sput's kit. Exactly. Go. Get on Sput's kit. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> you and your little cocktail and you kit. It. it was you did fun. It you crushed it, yeah. It was so much fun. That's how you ride the wave. Exactly. You don't want to miss the opportunity no. because you're trying to wait for something to be perfect or you now, need something to be with perfect. with the content angle stuff, do I think editing on YouTube videos is, like, important? Yeah, that stuff's important and, like, do I cut my videos so it's like the first 10 seconds are very visually entertaining? Yes. Yeah. But there's also a point where I think no matter how many cool lights you have, if you're really not playing like, you know, yeah, you know what I'm saying? For sure, for <laughs> it, sure. At the end of the day, it's about how you're working. If you're working really hard, it shows. Right. And not to put down people who aren't at a good skill level, but as long as you're working hard, people can tell. Yes. And... You could barely hold the sticks, but if you're able to show that you're working hard and dedication and improvement, oh my God, the following will go. 100%. The traction of people of like, oh, this guy's working hard. Like people comment on my stuff all the time. I started following you when you were like 13 and now you're playing like amphitheaters. Like, you know, it's like, wait, what? Yeah. Now you're hanging out with all these people. It's like, that was because you worked hard. Yes. And for me, I'm sure you can relate of jam card or anything. You don't really think about how hard it was to get to where you are. Right. Till you're like, am I in LA? Like doing this? Like, like, you know, then you realize what you're doing. 
But so when you talk about yourself, it's like, I don't really talk about myself. Like, oh, I did so much hard work. But, <laughs> but then, I, but then like, every once in a while, you're kind of like, you reflect, damn, yeah. you did work hard. Yeah. You worked really hard for this. You got to reflect. You deserve to reflect. Yeah. It's, it's good for you. It makes you appreciate where you are. Oh, a thousand and, percent. It's, and it's great that I think you're not reflecting that because you're thinking, oh, I want to accomplish this. Mm-hmm. This is next. How do I get to continue the grind? It exactly. doesn't stop. But if you love what you do, what mm-hmm. you what you do, then you know you don't even realize sometimes how hard you've been working because you're just like, oh, I'm just focused. Mm-hmm. I'm just focused. I want to get this done. No distractions. I, w- I want to touch real quick on on social media drumming because I know this has been like a topic, uh, especially recently. Um, and so it's funny to hear for me to hear you say that you don't consider yourself a social media drummer. I understand what you're saying, mm-hmm. and I respect that a lot. Um, I consider you a social media drummer, mm-hmm. and I think. That, that is okay and that's a good thing. Oh, yeah. It doesn't make me think of you any less or, or mm-hmm. any more. If anything, I'm like, oh, I admire what you've been able to build on mm-hmm. social media. Mm-hmm. Whether or not it's a goal of mine to do that, right? Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, I think that's great. And I, and I think to me, I consider you a social media drummer because you're someone that invests time and energy into your social media and because you've developed a platform in which there is a profession. Because mm-hmm. you can be a professional drummer not on social media and you can be a professional drummer on social media. And I think that if you're a professional drummer on social media, you can you can have the ability to have more opportunities because you have a few hundred thousand or a million people looking at you. Absolutely. Compared to someone else who may be a professional drummer and maybe making their income and, and their their livelihood on drums and all that's great. But they but they maybe don't go into social media mm-hmm. because they're not focused on it. And they've already had their career. And I think that's great. Mm-hmm. Both are, are, are great. And they're kind of, in my opinion, two different professions, mm-hmm. right? Because where you invest your time and your money and your energy is what I consider you doing. So you are an incredible drummer and you're very, very talented. And that's what I love about uh, your growth on social media is because I believe that your growth is because you're really talented. Thank you. Thank Some you. other people, maybe their growth is because they're attractive or they... Uh, um, I don't know, whatever, whatever, Absolutely. whatever it may be and more power to them as well. Mm-hmm. There is no mm-hmm. wrong route, but mm-hmm. I feel like for you, at least what got me into you is I was like, man, this kid plays exactly. and clearly yep. you are practicing, uh, your ass off mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. you, you can't, you can't just do that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank so, you. so, so I admire that about you. And I think, uh, so I would just say as, as a friend, I would say own that you're, that, mm-hmm. that you are a social media drummer. You're still also a drummer, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. right now you're building your profession, mm-hmm. right? Like you're on your way. I mean, you're 20 years old, mm-hmm. so you're young and you got a, and you got a great path in front of you and you already have like, far, you have far greater chances than the average person of making your living in drums, Thank you. Thank <laughs> right? So you're going to do it, mm-hmm. especially because you're, you got your, your, you got the right mentality mm-hmm. and you got the talent and everything mm-hmm. and you got the platform. Which which can make you unstoppable, which is which is really great as long as you don't hold yourself Absolutely. back. Absolutely. So, which I would bet on you. I don't think you're going to hold yourself back. <laughs> the more I get to know you, so. But I would embrace it, and I would in- encourage anyone on the internet. If you are a social media anything, whatever it is, it's it's cool. It's fine. Like Absolutely. like do that and do. I would just say do whatever you're doing great as great as you can. That's going to make new opportunities for you, and especially if you are a musician that does not live in Los Angeles or New York or Nashville or London or Berlin or any of these like major music hubs. The internet is your tool that you should be using. If you're in your basement in New York, New Jersey, Chicago, mm-hmm. Manchester, wherever, anywhere, they, wherever, anywhere. wherever you are, use the internet as your tool because that's how I can discover you. It's how he can discover mm-hmm. you. That's how Travis Barker mm-hmm. can discover you. Exactly. And, and all the other exactly. things that there is. I feel like I, I came up in a, 
I'm a millennial still, but I'm like, I'm, I'm 38. So I'm on like the older side of millennial. So it was like, I caught my band when I was 16, 17, 18 was the mm. biggest unsigned band in the world. We sold a hundred thousand CDs oh with no label. It was the end 2004, 2005 was the end of CDs. I got the last little taste of it. And then like MySpace and all this wow. started happening. So I caught like, I was like, Oh, and I, and I caught the transition into this. And so I feel like I got to experience a bit of both, mm -hmm. just a, a little, little taste of both. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, uh, and I think it's awesome because like I, but I was lucky enough to be born and raised in LA. I just mm -hmm. happened to be born and raised in LA. Mm -hmm. So therefore I had creative people. It was easier for me to find creative people and for me to just play shows and hopefully be discovered. Mm -hmm. Um, but now, you know, being discovered on the internet, I think is, is the way. So people should embrace it. So if you are trying to make your living or your, you, your goal is to make your living in music, um, utilize that tool absolutely, and practice on it and like, and like analyze what you're doing and see what works, see what resonates with other people. Listen to the feedback, maybe take it with a grain of salt. Make sure you're still staying true to you. Don't, don't, don't change. Don't, don't change, change it for the comments. No comments no, don't matter. Not worth it. Um, but yeah, so hats off to you. So I would just say embrace the fact that you are a social media mm -hmm. drummer, but you're also a drummer turning into a professional drummer. Absolutely. Because I don't know, I determine professional drummers. Do you make your living in drums? You can make your living in social media via drums. You know what there I'm saying? You go. <laughs> it's like, there you go. There's all these different, these all these different worlds, but I think, look, if it works for you, it works for you. Mm -hmm. And that's, and that's mm -hmm. a, a beautiful thing. So hats off to you, man. Thank you. And, uh, keep doing what you're doing. Thank so. You. So what is next and how are you using your platform, your social media following now to try to turn drumming into more of a revenue generating yeah. career for you? Well, for me, just like I previously touched on, I view it as a tool, you know, I never want it to be like, oh, when I'm 80, I'm going to be posting videos of my living, you know, if I am great, but I want it as a tool. I wanted it as like the LinkedIn of musicians if, yep. in that way. Um, plus I'm young yep. and I started when I was young too. So it's like, you know, it was kind of perfect. Yeah. And then COVID happened and whatever. So I was playing a ton live before COVID, jazz groups, big band, everything, trios. COVID happens. All I have is videos. I made like so many videos, just pumped them out, and I just took advantage of the time. And then what I realized is, as cliche as it sounds, I can turn these into actual gigs. So yeah. the first one's with William Duvall of Allison Chains. Called me up. You want to do this record? Yeah. Because he saw you online. Exactly. I said, Great. Uh, uh, yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I went down to Atlanta and recorded a, a, uh, an album that was live to vinyl. Nice. Ridiculous. So I'm in the hot seat of like my first like full label record, like high end record, live to vinyl one shot with like a hundred <laughs> people watching in the, in the live It's a room. pressure cooker situation. Yeah. There's no stops, no breaks. And I'm like, Okay, here we go. Yeah. Like time to like prove if I can, can actually play handle? in real life. Yeah. Cause you know, William trusted me, but I think there are people in the live room who are like, Oh, we've only seen him on videos. Like, can you play? Like yeah. <laughs> so stuff like that, getting actual gigs. So played with William, recently came off a tour with Billy Howard out of a perfect circle, which that was incredible. Spent a summer touring, which was wild. Amazing. It was really, really wild. First real tour. First real tour. Great. So that was that was inspirational and it was it was just like Wow. Like I like it was a validation point for me. It's like, okay, I can do this now. Like yeah. it's really happening. And then a bunch of one offs. What feels better? The claps of a real audience or thousands of likes? Definitely the claps of a real audience. <laughs> <laughs> Even the audience that's way smaller than yeah. the actual likes. Yeah. But that was that was the biggest moment of like, oh, 
this is real. Yeah. Like this can turn into something real. So then from now on, I just have a bunch of new projects coming up with a few different artists. So I'm just looking forward to it all. So now you're doing your own, your own projects. Yep. Yep. Working on my own big band kind of rock project. I want to combine rock with big band with jazz, like something like that. So sick. One day. Just that's my goal. That's my dream right now. Combine. Please dude. Like Jimi Hendrix with the blues, rock, everything. Almond Brothers, like all of that into like a jazz. What if I want to bring it to Vegas? That's what I want to do. Yeah. Like a residency in Vegas, something like that. That'd be my dream. So you're, so you're saying like Mitch Mitchell meets Buddy Rich? Yes. Dude. Yes. Buddy Mitch. I'm the lead. Buddy Mitch. <sighs> That's you. Drop the mic. Interview over. Done. See ya. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you should have fireworks one. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So what sound what what feels better? Claps with real audience, likes on Instagram or that, I think that's the best, actually. I feel very validated right now. Yeah. I feel validated. I'm I'm glad that you do. That's uh that's actually how I wake up in the morning. You know, Ronald Bruner Jr. was saying he wakes up in the morning and goes, fuck right when he wakes <laughs> up. I wake up in the morning and I hit this button. Everybody loves you, Elmo. You're loved. Yeah. Elmo, you're you're safe, Elmo. And then I'm and then I'm like I'm like, good morning, uh, world. I hope you have a great day. <laughs> Stop it. Stop it. Stop. Where's my coffee? Elma, you're so funny. <laughs> Thanks, Grayson. Uh, <laughs> you just have to have a little sound effect. Exactly. Board. And what, then, what are these? Yeah, it's all the, oh, dude, there's some, there's some good ones on here, you know, just in case if you were to say a joke, which you haven't yet, but I would. Okay, good. You just haven't been funny the okay. whole hour. Ooh. Doesn't work. Um, and if you're not funny, if you say something that's like, you know, a really bad joke. Like her ear. <laughs> so, you make your living off social media. No. <laughs> so you are a social media jumper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Boom. Exactly. Fuck the debate. All right, Grayson. What is up, Elmo? I love Deep Purple. Mm -hmm. uh, when I saw that you posted a video of you playing Burn, I was like, hell yeah. <laughs> because for me, <laughs> if someone yeah. were to ask me, hey, Elmo, you can have any gig in the world at any point in time, what gig would it be? For me, the answer is I would be Ian Pace drumming for Deep Purple in 1973 playing Burn live at California Jam. Have you seen that video on YouTube? Yes. That's the video. That's, That's your video. dream gig right there. That's my dream gig is I want to be Ian Pace. In, if, 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 if the question was, you can live any moment. <laughs> I mm. want to be Ian Pace in Deep Purple in 1973 playing Burn at California Jam. I want to be Michael Shriva Woodstock. Oh, really? With Santana. Oh, a thousand percent. Nice. Oh, my gosh. One hundred thousand percent. Or I Ginger Baker. Or Ginger Baker? Playing Royal Albert Hall on the last Cream Tour. Oh, on the last Cream Tour. But then you have to be Ginger Baker, too. Oh. You know. I'll pass. See you next. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, and the only reason why I wouldn't want to be in pace is because then I'd have to be left-handed. And then oh. I'd have to switch the kid oh. around every time I go play somewhere. Wah. Wah. Anyways. Um, my dad was at that Deep Purple show. Stop. At California Jam. He was there and he remembers it somehow jealous a little bit you know you know what my dad always tells me all the time he was like i lived through the greatest time in music you didn't <laughs> i had a family friend who a few weeks ago was like we were talking about something like 
Yeah, the craziest concert I went to was, uh, let me think, uh, hmm, Woodstock 94. We saw Nine Inch Nails live, and I was like, what? In the <laughs> mud baths of 94. Stuck in the mud baths of 94 <laughs> at Woodstock. And they're just casual about it. Another was like, oh, I saw Dave Matthews Band at Woodstock 99. I'm like, keep rubbing it in. I had that Rub double disc. I had that CD. Oh, my God. Woodstock 99. <laughs> and 94. 94 was the better one, right? 99 was the shit show. Yeah. 99 is the one with the riots. Yeah, yeah, with the riots. Mm-hmm. Now, every, we were lost in 99. We thought the world was going to end. <laughs> one year left. <laughs> Burn down the guys. town. This is it. Our computers cannot handle So let's riot. Let's riot at a concert. My God. Um, okay, so I want to go back. We're going to talk real quick. I want to talk about... Uh, <laughs> I want to dive really into this. Pulls up his Instagram, I'm pulling everybody. Up my Instagram. Everybody I'm pull- that's listening, pulls up his Instagram. I'm, I'm, I'm pulling up the post that Trevor Lawrence Jr. made because I think this is a, a wonderful discussion topic. I think so too. And I also uh, applaud Trevor for making it because he just posed it as a question and I think it got I think it got blown out of context because I think some people got defensive about it mm-hmm. and that's why I really want to talk to you mm-hmm. about it. Um, so Trevor Lawrence Jr. posted, are you a professional musician if you only post videos on social media, have never been on tour and have no recordings released or are you a social media personality? So... There's some really great comments in Mm -hmm. here. I I went through the comment thread. Uh, I think there's some really beautifully written things. And some things came out from uh, defensive from certain people. Maybe they are a social media personality or Mm -hmm. whatever it may be. But for someone, uh, for myself being in the music industry and being in the internet world and having an app and having a social media uh, network. Mm -hmm. um, So I think that both exist. I Mm -hmm. think there's also a third option, um, which is where you're falling into, which Mm -hmm. is a social media personality that is a professional musician or just a drummer who's using social media as a tool. Yeah. Which is great. And I think you could do that. So I think, I think the question of, are you a professional musician? If you post videos on, if you only keyword is what he said, only, are you a professional musician? If you only post videos on social media, Oh, the, only part, says, the only part is the, the key is word. Is the key word. I think and people then, miss that. And then he even expanded on it saying, you've never been on tour and you have no recordings released. So are you a professional musician if you only post videos on social media and you haven't gone on tour and you haven't gone uh, and, and done recordings? Mm. So very valid question. Or are you a social media personality? And the thing is, I also don't think that saying someone's a social media personality is derogatory. No, it's not a dig. It's not so. a dig. You could totally observation. Yeah. You can be a social media personality. You can be a professional musician. You could be all of the, well, above. just like you can be a podcast personality or, t- or what are you talking about? Ta- oh. I'm offended. Grayson. Sorry. Get off my Bye. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> um, or a talk show personality, like any of those things. Yeah. Any yeah, of those things. Like, there's, there's, <clears throat> there's nothing wrong with it. And I think there's nothing wrong for someone like Trevor who, uh, so I think Trevor's saying that because Trevor is a legend in his own right. He's mm-hmm. made so many hit records. Mm-hmm. People don't even realize the level of a producer he is. Mm-hmm. He's so much more than just a drummer. Mm-hmm. He's a songwriter and producer. He's had hit number one albums, mm-hmm. right? Like, and singles and mm-hmm. all the way to playing at the Super Bowl mm-hmm. this last year. So Trevor is a real one, but he's not a social media personality. Mm-hmm. He's been recently posting more on social media, which mm-hmm. I just love because I'm a fan and a friend of his and I, and I love what he posts, but Absolutely. he's not doing it. He's not doing it for the likes. He's no. just, I think he's just documenting his life. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, and that's really great. So, so I think it's awesome that Trevor has his platform. Mm-hmm. Trevor's platform <clears throat> is his network. 
right? 100%. People know, like Dr. Dre, are calling Trevor, mm-hmm. right? And that's great. And he has that. And that's amazing. That's why he lives a, a, a rich life of being a, mm-hmm. a musician. He's also years and years into his craft. And he's like one of the best of what he does. And then there's, you know, social media personalities. And I know that like Jared Falk, Falk, Faulkner. Falk. Folk, Jared Folk from Drumeo, I think got defensive about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember the depth of the post, <laughs> mm-hmm. but I know that I remember I watched it when it first happened and I was like, oh, he just got defensive. Mm-hmm. And he was like kind of like protecting maybe Drumeo followers that could be offended by it. But I just don't see why you would be offended by this question personally. Mm-hmm. I think it's an important conversation. So um, and, and, I, and, I, and I know that Jared uh, Folk like deleted it and did all that. Um, because he probably, I don't know, maybe he felt like he was like, oh, I shouldn't have said that. Or, <laughs> or maybe he misread this question. So anyways, um, I have so much respect for Trevor. I look up to Trevor. He's like a, a, a big bro to me. Like, I, I love that. And I think that what Jared Folk has built with Drumeo is is admirable. It's, it's amazing. He's built a huge online uh, lesson platform mm-hmm. that like thousands of drummers watch and subscribe to. And so good on him for doing that. I just think that, I don't know, my, my thing would be like, it's okay to be a social media personality. Mm-hmm. That's totally no fine. That's not. I feel I, you could call me a social media personality. I feel like anybody can do anything. Anybody can do anything. Why put so anybody yeah. So down? I guess as long as somebody's a nice person, why does it matter? Yeah, that's so like ha- at the end of the day, that's what it. That's really what it comes down to. Yes, but I think this isn't about are you a nice? Are you considered a nice yeah, person true. or not? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> right. But the, the the putting people down thing is right. Yeah, right. If Which Trevor to, wasn't you, doing. No, no, he wasn't doing. Yeah. Like, so I guess my question to you is. Uh, do you consider someone a professional musician? Do you consider, well, see, you became a professional musician, which is, I think, a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. You made your following on social media, mm-hmm. and now you're starting to get albums, mm-hmm. and you're starting to get tours, mm-hmm. which uh, takes you out of this question, because this says specifically you have never been on tour, if, if you've never been on tour and have no recordings. Absolutely, yep. So you're not mm-hmm. in this category. Mm-hmm. This isn't at you because mm-hmm. you're now touring and, mm-hmm. and doing recordings, right? Mm-hmm. But I think it's wonderful that you've taken social media as your opportunity to get your foot in the door. Mm-hmm. And then now you have uh, tour opportunities and you're doing tours mm-hmm. and you're, and you're mm-hmm. making records. So mm-hmm. what, yeah, what do you think about this post in general? I think, honestly, it's tough because it's like I see what both sides are saying. I see that the side of um, everybody grows up differently. Everybody has a different experience with whatever profession it is. Now, like I just said, I feel like you should, pour, uh, should support anybody doing anything, really, at the mm-hmm. end of the day. But... As long as it's not hurting anybody or offending anybody, but whatever. But there's also a fact of everybody has their own path. You know, there's going to be certain people that have a path of this way or that way or whatever it is. You know, you van tours or you start on a bus or you do this, you do that. You know, me personally, I started playing small gigs in my town at like 11 or 12. And then played gigs all through like middle school and high school. So I was like legit playing for people that would kind of look at you like, are you quote-unquote legit if you played real gigs? So yes, le- legit, when I was young. Then, like, I'll just speak on me personally, because I don't, you know, I don't like to speak on other people's behalfs or anything, but for me at least, my thing was, people started to discover me during COVID when I was becoming big on Instagram and YouTube because of, it was COVID and I was posting. Yeah. And I think that's the confusing part, because if you look at somebody and just like, oh, he's just done that, you know? But once you start to dig in and you're saying the whole album touring thing, yeah. So I think there's a certain level of, um, if you don't have the real life experience of a certain, you know, like as an example, I would never say, oh, I know what it's like to play at the Grammy, you know, award show. Like, oh, no, 
know. Like, I don't know what that is. So why yeah. do I have an opinion? You know, right. Just like I would never go around saying like, oh, this is what it's like to be on tour. Like last summer, because I never went on tour before. And I'm right. not like scared to admit that. Like, no. But is it fair for me now to be like, you know, not flex and not try to like boast, but hey, touring is like this. This is what I've done. I think that's completely fine. Yeah. So I think as long as you're staying in the boundaries of what you actually are doing, you're not lying about what you do. You're not faking it. I feel like if you posted content online that was de- deceptive, then there's a certain leeway for people to, hey, you kind of are asking people to be a little bit in your, in your, in your butt for saying something. For sure. Because if, imagine if somebody went on and said, um, I don't know, giving, this is a hypothetical situation. Somebody said, oh, this is what it's like to play in a situation. This is what I do. But they've never done that. Eh, eh. I can see why people would kind of be like, no, that's not okay. Right. But if you legit do have, you know, proof or whatever you want to say that you've done that or just credibility within circles of people, I don't see a problem. For sure. So I think it's a nice balance. I think, um, the, the part where he says only is yeah. the key point that I think everybody missed. People get so heated online, man. Because listen, if, if somebody grows up, like, I don't know, somebody's, imagine if someone was born yesterday and they just magically took a pill and they're like 19, like today or whatever, and they post videos and like they learn drums or whatever in their basement only, and they only posted videos. I can see what he's saying. Yep. And then imagine they posted something like, this is what it's like to be on tour. It's like, wait a minute, you've never been on tour. What are you talking about? So it, it's, it's complicated, but at the same time, it's almost not complicated. It's like, if you've done it, cool. If you haven't, cool too, but don't speak on that. David Ryan Harris commented something really amazing in response to that on the post. He said, he said, I'm on the fence. While the old school part of me wouldn't trade anything for the blood, sweat, and tears of being in them streets for 30 odd years, <laughs> I do try to see the value in the new paradigm mm-hmm. if for no other reason I don't get left in the dust or become one of those back in my day people. Thank you. That being said, I do think one... There is a level of vulnerability that these social media players have to be comfortable with, Mm -hmm. whereby their audience can and will tell them in no uncertain terms if they hate their content. 100,000%. We were just talking Mm -hmm. about. Nobody ever came up to me and told me I sucked to my face, and I'm pretty sure I would have deserved it on more than one occasion. And two, I think about what it means to inspire and be inspired. If I come across a lick, a vocal phrase, a chord progression, or a rhythm that inspires me to create something new or challenges me to practice and aspire to be something higher, then the origin doesn't matter. Mm. doesn't matter if I found it, if I found a, a dusty piano bench or my late father's record collection or in a sweaty nightclub. All of that being said, a lot of these kids are trafficking in musical empty calories, but I don't fault the delivery system. I love this debate. That's probably the best comment on the whole post. David I mean, Ryan like, Harris. The, the point where he says um, not to be like a back in my day, that's the biggest thing I have an issue with. And I'm, yeah. I'm not a confrontational person. I'm not a drama starter. I don't like to even go on and on about this. But what I will say is, the thing I've noticed is it, it's, it's a two-part thing. And we touched on this before. But it's really some reason people have this weird sort of opinion. And this is going to get, not controversial, but whatever. You know, you take anybody. And if their content is, it might be one percent of um, show offiness or like somebody can perceive me wearing a suit as like pretentious for some reason, okay. you know, then they start to get this weird. Yeah, that's why I'm saying like, OK, fine. But there are people like that. Then they get this weird sort of they think they know you or how you actually are in person. And that's like this weird dilemma. I think that it's just we have to deal with because it it's the Internet. Yeah. But it's this weird, just like texting. 
you know, me and you texted, but I didn't put any exclamations or like I put periods at the end. Oh no, you think I'm mad, right? Yeah. That's the, it's the same thing. Like if you see somebody posting, you might think you might not like their content, but they might be the nicest person ever. Yeah. It's that combined with people. Listen, you don't have to post. I'm not telling you to post, but I'll tell you this. There's benefits, there's drawbacks. And if somebody wants to post, why like, you know, crap on them? Like, you know, you should at least accept like, hey, if you want to post, but maybe, hey, some people could post um, that they personally don't post show offy videos or videos in general, but other people are free to and they'll support mm -hmm. what they like. I think another point that uh, wasn't really talked about in this is a lot of people, I think, do have to post in order to get enough inbound opportunities to make their living. 1000%. And then there's, I think, a smaller amount of people that don't have to post mm -hmm. and already have an established enough career and network that they can still make their living without having to post mm -hmm. more power to either. Exactly. Right. As long as if you are successfully making an income playing music, mm -hmm. you fucking did it. Mm -hmm. And job. I think both are cool. I think both are cool. Whatever works for you. Yeah. 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 Either I, I would say that it's even hard. I mean, it's really hard at this point in 2022 to not post and make an income. Right. Mm -hmm. As a musician. Mm -hmm. So if you are able to do that, blessings to you. But that's, I also think incredible. it's, there's a, there's this like famine mentality sometimes mm -hmm. where it's like, oh, these people are doing these, they're getting all these views. So it's less views on me. Yeah. Less attention. It's like, I view it almost like we should lift everybody up. Yeah. Everybody should just become like better and have more fun and more For community sure. and jam card community, that kind of thing where last night I was blown away. People I'd met online or it saw we're now in my face, shaking my hand, saying, nice to meet you. Something like you've created, which I commend you for. Thank it's you. like, wait a minute, that's the whole goal. So if you start going back and forth, it's like, well, you're just defeating the purpose of this yeah. thing. You know? Well, uh, one more thing that, that David Ryan Harris said at the end that I really liked a lot is he said, a lot of people are, 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 you know, digesting these musical empty calories. Mm -hmm. It's a really, that's a really mm -hmm. powerful statement. Mm -hmm. I feel like, because, and that's like what I said to you, even when you showed up today, is I was like, oh, okay, what are you doing to monetize these clicks? Yep. Right. Essentially, yep. how are you're getting all these eyeballs and stuff, but if you're not turning it into revenue for you, it's useless. It's empty calories. It really is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, or maybe it's only for ego or little serotonin bumps or, mm -hmm. or whatever mm -hmm. it is just to, to get you going. Mm -hmm. But yeah, how are you using it to actually provide for mm -hmm. yourself yeah. and your future family and absolutely and all those kind of and things? And I'm sure there's kids in high school and Oh, I hope not middle school, but you know, those ages where they posting on TikTok and, and Instagram and they're like showing their friends and they feel great that they have 2000 followers. It's amazing. They don't have to think about their exactly. livelihood yet. Exactly. That's the thing. So yeah. it's kind of like this weird thing. It's, it's almost as if it was a toy that both adults and kids use. Yeah. Yeah. It's the same, you know, toy, but we have to view it differently and use it differently than kids. For sure. And there's a certain boundary where there's like a little gray area, which I think people are caught in. Yeah. Where, and I've talked about this before where people ask me like, oh, how can I use it to benefit myself? And it's like, well, first off, it's like, um, are you like posting like photos of your dog only? Like, yeah. <laughs> like, like sorry, everyone loves your dog, but like, is it private? Exactly. It yeah. Exactly. <laughs> like make two Instagrams, have a personal, a professional and just, you know, if you want to make it a business, do it. I love that. I love that. Mm -hmm. Um, so you must have a really strong practice routine. Mm -hmm. what, what is your, yeah. What are your days like? Well, it depends. If I'm home, it's crazy. Um, I don't spend much time making videos at all. I'll spend maybe 20 minutes. 
Really? Yeah. So you long, but are you practicing? How long are you practicing? Oh, hours. Depends on the schedule. Like recently I've been gearing up for a gig I have in January, which is a little secret. Nice. But, um, so right now I'm grinding really hard for that. So that's like eight hour days, seven, eight hour days. At drumming. Least, uh, drumming. Yeah. Nice. And I think there's also like practicing and drumming and like that whole topic too. Like I've always thought about watching videos and dissecting as sort of learning as well. Yeah. So that's important too. So it's not only the physical, it's also the mental and it's learning and all that kind of stuff, which there's a combination, but physically on the drum, seven, eight hours a day, been doing that since I was very little. Um, it obviously changes, um, on tour. It was basically <laughs> very little as yeah. you can imagine. And as you know, so that was very interesting to have that for the summer and then come home and be able to practice all day again. Right. Um, but you know, all I usually like to make my videos in the morning, like 10 or so in the morning. Yeah. Um, I'll go to the gym before, come home, make a video. And then actually the video will warm me up for practicing. Mm. And then I'll practice through the afternoon into the evening. Interesting. The mm -hmm. video warms you up for the practice. Yeah. Cause it's giving you your, it's a nice easing of my day. So, you, so your day is essentially wake up, hit the gym, mm -hmm. come back, make a video because mm -hmm. you're warmed up from the workout, mm -hmm. and then you practice eight Then hours. practice or do, I've uh, been doing a lot of remote sessions yeah. from home in my studio, in my basement. So I've nice. been doing a ton of those. So you're engineering that. yourself too. Yep. yep. Amazing. Send it off to the producer. Um, do it all in my basement. Yeah. And then, yeah, I'll do that. Maybe even hit the gym later or go for a run later in the day. Two but, gym sessions? Oh, yeah. I'm oh, you're I'm, fitness, I'm crazy. Bro. I'm crazy. You are so in on it. I am. So you you ex exude a lot of uh, energy. I do. <laughs> I also eat a lot. That's my problem. You eat a lot? I eat a lot. Oh, I'm jealous. Oh. I, I eat a lot, but I gain a lot. Oh. I used to eat a lot and gain a lot, except <laughs> I just started running like a madman. Um, dude, I, lo I love this. So, uh, okay, so... Uh, can we talk about the hospital situation? Absolutely. What what happened? Dig in. Yeah. So, um, you want me to give you the whole story, mini version? What do you want? I want to hear it, man. All right. So when I was 10, uh, it was New Year's Day of 2013. Yeah. So I was just, just, oh, it was still 10. It was 2013. I was born in 2002. Um, threw up and it got sick and thought, oh, stomach virus, food poisoning, something like that. Had a friend over and I was like, ah, Christian got me sick. Ah, whatever. It was like a week. Yeah. Sorry. Come on, Christian. Really? <laughs> Come on, Christian. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and um, so I went to the doctor and they're like, yeah, he'll be fine in a week. The virus. My mom's a pharmacist, by the way. So she's like, you'll be fine. Whatever. Yeah. Two weeks go by. Still, it's really sick. Three weeks go by, starting to lose weight. It was just scary. And oh. I won't go into like every deal because it's literally years. But eventually uh, misdiagnosed with so many different things, test, 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 nothing. They don't know what's wrong. I'm getting sick. Can't keep food down, losing weight, really thin, really sick. Like I was like really scared. Everyone was scared, my whole family. And I was out of school, had to home, have a home tutor, was literally playing on the hospital bed rails, was literally playing in my bedroom on a practice pad. Mm. Shout out to Mike Johnston. I would literally read his book and learn the fills in my bed. I couldn't even play drums. So I learned the linear fills in my bed. And wow. then um, eventually I had a like last resort test, essentially, which was down my esophagus to determine what was wrong. Because they knew it was somewhere in here, but they didn't know what was wrong. Turns out I had zero motility in my esophagus at all, like zero. The nerves were just not functioning. So food wouldn't wow. go down. So when you eat, obviously, it pushes the food down. Not in me. Stopped. And it was all sitting at the bottom. Wouldn't go into my stomach. So you throw up. They had no clue what was happening. Wow. Um, and the doctor was like, okay, we can do all these procedures, whatever. Go back home. 
like maybe a week later, like really sick. Like couldn't get out of bed sick, couldn't eat. My dad got a, a, a McDonald's like milkshake. I remember one night it was like three in the morning and I was so sick throwing up in bed that my dad's like, let's go. Drove me to the uh, New York City hospital, uh, Wild Cornell Children's Hospital. Went in, middle of the night, saw a doctor, told him what's wrong. And he's like, okay, tomorrow we'll do surgery. And we're like, huh? Gives me one, uh, basically one option, which was this radical surgery where they cut your open heart style down your chest and fix your esophagus and, you know, force it open, essentially. And they do all this crazy stuff. Very, very invasive and massive surgery. So this is like a life-changing moment right here. So I'm literally in the hospital getting one last test and the neurologist, uh, no, the, um, not the neurologist, the doctor who looks over your x-rays, whatever, uh, the scan lady, yeah. she was looking at the scans that were being done to me and she looks at my dad and she pulls him into the other room and she says, no, I probably shouldn't say this, but if I were you, I would leave and get a second opinion at another hospital because something's wrong. Like this isn't what this doctor is even thinking. It, it's like, it's not, maybe you can do something else. It's not classic. It was called achalasia. Uh-huh. Very, very rare. One in hundreds of thousands get it. Um, but especially in kids, it's like one in four or 500,000. It's really rare. Yeah. So she's like, especially your son's a, a child, early, you know, teens at that age. Um, and it wasn't the classic symptoms. Not every symptom was lining up with the classic definition, if that makes sense. Something else was going on. So went home. I, I was like really, really ill, had, you know, crazy stuff and uh, tons of IVs and everything. Went home and eventually somehow got an appointment with the number one doctor of this in the world called Dr. Nurko up in Boston Children's Hospital. Parents drove me up there, um, met with him, his whole team. And they're like, yeah, we can we can fix you. Uh, we don't guarantee you'll be OK, but we'll try. And I was like, OK. <laughs> I had no clue what was happening. Uh, they did uh, two more radical tests, which are really difficult, where they you know, stick a tube down your nose, down your throat while you eat. Mm. Torture. Literally torture. Yeah. While you eat. While you have to eat while a tube goes up your nose, down your throat, into your stomach. Oh, my God. Torture. Literally torture. While you're awake, completely. Yeah. Had that. Yeah. That happens. Then... Uh, basically they stick a balloon down your throat while it's an endoscopy essentially. And they burst open your esophagus to keep it open, to force it open. Woke up tons of pain, but I woke up and I was like, I feel, feel a little different. (laughs) Woke up, uh, spent a day or two in the hospital. And I remember the drive home, we stopped at Boston market and I had cream of spinach. And that was the first meal I'd had in that I could actually keep down and like enjoy in years. Wow. Yeah. I'd, I'd been able to eat here and there, but I couldn't keep everything down. Like, you know, it was random. It was crazy. So then I was left uh, to go home and I was like kind of stable weight. And that'll, that'll make sense in a second. But I was doing okay. Started to recover. Went about a year, was playing sports again, doing jujitsu because I'd been heavily into sports when I was a kid. Very heavy into sports. So I was getting back to normal life. Went back to school. Was meeting friends. Uh, was playing hockey. And I realized like a year later, I was like, life's good. But I have asthma. <laughs> Inhalers wouldn't work. And then they're like, oh, you have pneumonia. But the antibiotics aren't working. And we're like, okay. So then it was doctor, 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 doctor again. Episode two. 
get back to another doctor. They're like, yeah, unfortunately, you might have to go back to Boston Children's Hospital. Oh, now, this is like two years later. And I'm like, not again, not again. Go back up there. Doctor's like, yep, sure enough, didn't work. They have to go in again. This time I was aspirating into my lungs. Just like if somebody's drinking, they tell you not to let them sleep. Yeah. I was aspirating just like that into my lungs from the food and the acid, the acid reflux. Yeah. <laughs> You're speechless. Holy Look at shit. them. Yeah, yeah. And so I literally was aspirating daily for however long. So that was actually not asthma. It was that. Wow. Put me into surgery again, had a second surgery. And then the last little chapter, and I've missed a lot of spots, but you get the basic gist, was get home, recover again. But I'm handed two pill bottles. I'm handed a bottle of prednisone, steroids, for the inflammation and the pain and everything and the, the swelling. And the, I had you know, excess coughs and stuff. And I'm handed um, a bottle of antacid medication. Big bottle, like industrial-sized bottle. And they said, you'll be on the prednisone for like a month or two and the antacid for the rest of your life. Oh, shit. And I said, yeah, exactly. I was like, uh, No. <laughs> And so I was left a hundred and something pounds overweight. No way. Yeah. Cause I'd not been able to eat for all those years. Major depression from being out of school, no friends, no nothing. So it was awful, awful. So I said, okay, chapter three, lose all the weight, get healthy. So I lost like almost a hundred pounds or Whoa. so. Yeah. And then no antacids threw them out like a week out and just started eating clean, lost the weight and through eating diet, vitamins, exercise, Acid reflux is fine. I feel fine. And it's so crazy because they, they made a movie about a girl who has a very, very, basically the same condition called Miracles from Heaven. And my doctor's in it. Really? So it's basically like about <laughs> like me and her. Like it's about her, but like it's same story about me. Wow. So wild. So you feel like you have a whole new chance at life. Oh, a thousand percent. Yeah. And I was just joking uh, with somebody about this, but I was saying it's like, Everyone always says that to, to make something great, you have to go through really tough struggles and situations and things. I grew up at like 11 years old. Like I was an adult by like 13 wow. <laughs> in some ways. Wow. Just dealing with all of that. No kids, just my parents, doctors, parents, doctors, parents, Heavy doctors. Decisions. Exactly. Wow. Like real life, like contemplating, like, am I going to like live? Like yeah. that kind of stuff. Um, and then dealing with my own struggles of weight and mental health and all that kind of stuff. Wow. It's a big deal yeah, at yeah. that young of an age. But I can't, I almost can't thank that enough for what it caused in my life and how I've grown from it and have right. grown from it. Dude, that's incredible. So that is where you got your, your workout routine essentially from? Workout, or, uh, it was really the work ethic. I remember one day, uh, my dad, I, he brought me to his office and he's just like, you, you gotta like make yourself better. Because mm -hmm. like, if you just sit around, you're not gonna feel better. You're just not going to. And I was kind of like, oh, like I hated that he said that, but it made me get off my butt and yeah. work yeah. and really work. Yeah. But the workout routine came over years. Um, literally when I was so heavy, I couldn't run. It was so uncomfortable to run. So I just started literally eat, cleaning up my diet, going to the gym a little bit in high school and then went crazy. Went to, got into running, got into road biking and then did a marathon. So, yeah. And now you do marathons regularly? I'm training for another one, but yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. I just do it for fun. Yeah. I don't even do it for like wards or like times. I just, you know, my first one was like 340, which is like, I think it's fast, but I don't know anything. So is that I don't have any context. No, people are I like, oh, if it's, if it's under four hours, it's good. So I guess it's good, but I'm not even like a runner. Right. 
I'm pretty sure you are. <laughs> I, I guess I am. Because I don't consider myself if one. You've done, if you've done a marathon, a you're marathon. a runner in my book. <laughs> yeah. But no, it's, it's good. I think it's just the, I learned a lot from yeah. being so, in a situation that challenged me, it really was really beneficial in my life. Man, hats off to you. Thank you. That's So like, that's getting over adversity and everything. Like, I mean, it just fighting to stay alive. Fighting. Well, it also to makes live a, just live a normal everything life. It puts everything in perspective. Yeah. Like I was just t- talking and I was saying the, like a little while ago, I was saying to somebody else, I said, like, I don't deal with drama. Now. Like, yeah. cause it's like, I realized like, I feel like if I didn't have all the struggles, I kind of would be just, I don't want to call it average, but just like, you know, petty drama, like get worried. You know, so it's like nowadays it's like, I don't have that. I just can't. It's like, I'm thankful to be like a lot. So yeah. it's like, if you want to cause drama, just leave. Like, I'm just, I'm going to go run. Like, I'm not going to enjoy my life, play drums. Like, oh, bye. See ya. Reminds you to do you. Exactly. Yeah. It just puts everything in perspective. Yeah. And it, it tells you what's important and what's not. Yeah. You know, like, I don't, I don't care about, like, fancy stuff. I just want to run. Yeah. Play drums. That's all I want to do. And that makes your positive attitude exactly. as well. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. 100%. Awesome, dude. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm so happy for you. Thank you. Thank so you. if I could wave a magic wand for you right now yeah. and make anything happen in your career, what would you want to happen? I want to have that Vegas residency. You want I want to, to do that. That's it. I want to produce an album and do that. Let's do so something. big band rock and roll? Big band rock and roll. My, my, my thing is like Cream and all those guys, yeah. the trio, like the idea, and it doesn't have to be a trio, but I was even thinking like, you know, drums and like maybe trumpet, trombone, like something cool, something fresh, something unique that, you know, if you look... My f- I always try to look at my favorite artists and be like, well, how do they do it? Like, yeah. you look at Cream, you look at Mitch Mitchell, you look at all these bands, you know, they had Jimi Hendrix, and you look at any, any of these, Carter, you know, Dave Matthews band. These were just such unique things that I think, I'm sure people looking at it in the beginning were like, how is that going to work? Yeah. But the mix was just perfect. It was yeah. just this perfect thing. And that's what I want to do really Amazing. badly. Do you know Brian Newman? I do not. The trumpeter? No. Okay, we've got to introduce him to Brian Newman. Brian Newman. Not note that down. He plays trumpet for uh for Lady Gaga. He was her musical director too. Mm. He's been playing with her for years. And yeah. he, he has his own Vegas residency, uh, doing like the swing, jazz, Whoa. old school style in Vegas. And Lady Gaga always comes and sings with him. Well, that would be perfect. You should meet him for the project. Terrace Martin for yeah. the project Let's too. Let's do it. I love I love the big band rock and roll. Mm-hmm. I love that. Mm-hmm. I think and we have we have several big like Vegas connects too that we could Let's do it, try to make something happen. Let's do it. Just gotta get it a little let's get a little bit further. Yeah. Get, mm-hmm. but, but let's I, develop I, it yeah let's develop it i like that i love that concept though because like my mom's side of the family i was raised on like jazz from my mom's side mm. and then rock and roll from my dad's side so that's like so i've, I've i resonate mm-hmm. that's, <laughs> that's awesome. why when i first saw you playing uh um buddy rich and stuff mm-hmm. i was like yeah and then when i saw you play deep purple i was like dude <laughs> yeah because like those groups like my favorite thing is reading about even like any of these, like even heavy metal groups, like some of these groups that are like the drummer is a quote unquote jazz drummer. And it's like, Hmm, adds something. It adds something. Yeah. Just that, the idea that it has another connection. Yeah. That's what I want to do. So I don't know the size it would be or anything, but somehow write songs that are fresh, something really like unique, but new, definitely new. And, but bringing the, my goal is to really, at the end of the day, bring the excitement back. Right. You know, it's going to be my group and I don't want to, I want to like sit in the back and like, just like, mm-hmm. no, I want to, I want to make it a show. Yeah. I want to make people like want to come see me play. I want people to be entertained. I want everybody in the band to have their own little spotlight. I want to have fun. Yeah. I want it to be really interactive and fun. I would go see that show. Come on, Elmo. 
Let's make this show. Let's do it. We can do a great show. Let's do it. Well, dude, I'm I'm so glad you came. I'm glad you you. came and played at the Jam Jam. It's it's good to meet you and get to know you better. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Oh yeah, we know all about you now. Got the vulnerable side. Got the musical side. Exactly. Um, one one last question. What do you think? Because I I feel like people, you have like you have like your fans that love your love, your follow you, love all your stuff, and then you have people that just like know who you are. Oh, I've seen that kid. Mm So, what do you think's a big like misperception of like? of this social media world, having all these followers and drumming. What do, what do you think are some of like the key things that you're like, dude, it's not, it's not like that. Well, there's two of them. And we touched on, I think Bolt before, but I'll reiterate in a better way. So basically the number one is never judge how somebody's playing in a minute clip mm-hmm. for let's, let's admit it for more, getting more eyeballs yeah. compared to how they would play in real life. Right. Two completely different things. And don't assume they can't do the other unless I don't know. You've watched every single video. Like, like you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. People seem to instantly say, oh, just because the video is flashy and like fun for more views, that person will get fired from every band. Right. No. Thank you very much. Number two goes along the lines of that. Don't assume somebody is just like we we're talking with the text. Like if somebody adds a period at the end of their sentence, sometimes on text, some people get a little bit like, Ugh. you know, you can just, there's, some, there's this weird connection through the internet. You, you agree where it's like you interpret things wrong. Yeah. There's like this mirror in between. Um, so I would say just be careful of how you actually, um, judge somebody's personality just on maybe videos, not even listening to them talking a podcast, just like videos alone. Cause people have For listened sure. to podcasts and they've been like, Oh, he's actually a cool dude. Yeah. Like he's not a jerk. Like just cause he's <laughs> like, he seems show off. He doesn't mean like he's like rude, you know? I don't think you seem like a jerk. <laughs> I would say thanks, a, Elmo. I would say a third thing that I would add to that, uh, not just for you, but mm-hmm. for like the uh, people with a large following, mm-hmm. is I think people think, oh, if you have a lot of followers, that you're already successful or you're already no. rich or you're unaccessible. Oh, that's the best one, the unaccessible. Because I re- I try to respond to every comment. Yeah, I respond to pretty much wow. every comment. That's incredible. You'll see if you look on my videos, every video I wow. respond to pretty much everybody. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. And they're not just like cookie cutter. And if yeah. like you DM me, I'll look at it. Yeah. 100%. That's amazing. Yeah. How much time does that take you a day? I don't really. I mean, I'll do it at night. Like, yeah. I don't do it during the day. Right. You know. Um, just chilling on the couch. Yeah. Just, yeah. I, don't do, I don't do it like crazy. Like, I don't do actually. But, you know, I, yeah. I try to reach out. And it's cool because I do notice, like, it sounds like sappy, but, like, I notice the same people. And, you know, it feels nice to, like, see the same people come back and come. It's like, oh, I know yeah. you, you know. Reward your fans. And then yeah. when they come to in-person clinics and shows, that's the craziest part. Like, I just played a show in New York City a few weeks back, and I had, like, four guys that I taught lessons to come. And I didn't even tell them. Yeah. I did, you know, Zoom lessons with them, and they came and supported. And I was like, wait a minute. That's awesome. What's up? Yeah. So, it, it's really sweet. I think that's the other thing, too. And it's not that I'm your manager or anything, but I would say uh, reach out to you with opportunities, right? Mm-hmm. Like, hey, if someone, just because you have uh, a large following doesn't mean that you're not still, like, doing business. You're mm-hmm. not open for business. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you People are think there's like a you're closed door once you get over a hundred thousand or something. Yeah. It's weird. It doesn't matter if you got a hundred thousand or a million, million or whatever. Nope. It's like hit people with opportunities, reach out to them be like, Hey, would you, would you draw my album? Mm-hmm. Here's my budget. Mm-hmm. Or Hey, would you play the show with me? Here's, here's what I can mm-hmm. offer you or, mm-hmm. or whatever. You never know where it'll go. Yeah. You never ask know. people always ask, ask people. There it is. Don't be afraid. Grayson, my guy, Elmo. you're a good kid. I like you. We can be friends. Really? On the internet. And, and in person. real life. There we go. The trifecta. The dual factor. That's not a word. Okay. <laughs> the trifecta. <laughs> Thanks for coming, brother. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm, I'm pulling up 
the post that Trevor Lawrence Jr. made because I think this is a, a wonderful discussion topic. I think so too. And I also uh, applaud Trevor for making it because he just posed it as a question, and I think it got, I think it got blown out of context because I think some people got defensive about it, mm-hmm. and that's why I really want to talk to you mm-hmm. about it. Um, so Trevor Lawrence Jr. posted, "Are you a professional musician? If you only post videos on social media, have never been on tour, and have no recordings released, or are you a social media personality?" I see what both sides are saying. I see that the side of um, everybody grows up differently. Everybody has a different experience with whatever profession it is. Now, like I just said, I feel like you should, pour, uh, should support anybody doing anything, really, at the yeah. end of the day. But as long as it's not hurting anybody or offending anybody, but whatever. But there's also a fact of everybody has their own path. You know, there's going to be certain people that have a path of this way or that way or whatever it is, you know van tours or you start on a bus or you do this you do that you know me personally i started playing small gigs in my town at like 11 or 12 and then played gigs all throughout like middle school and high school so i was like legit playing for people that would kind of look at you like are you quote unquote legit if you play real gigs so yes legit when i was young then like i'll just speak on me personally because i don't you know i don't like to speak on other people's behalfs or anything but for me at least my thing was people started to discover me during COVID when I was becoming big on Instagram and YouTube because of it was COVID and I was posting. Yeah. And I think that's the confusing part because if you look at somebody on just like, Oh, he's just done that, you know, but once you start to dig in and you're saying the whole album touring thing. Yeah. So I think there's a certain level of, um, if you don't have the real life experience of a certain, you know, like as an example, I would never say, Oh, I know what it's like to play at the Grammy, you know, award show. Like, Oh, I don't know. No, like, I don't know what that is. So why do I have an opinion, you know? Right. Just like, I would never go around saying like, oh, this is what it's like to be on tour, like, last summer, because I never went on tour before. And I'm not, like, scared to admit that. Like, no. But is it fair for me now to be like, you know, not flex, not try to, like, boast, but, hey, touring is like this. This is what I've done. I think that's completely fine. Yeah. So I think as long as you're staying in the boundaries of what you actually are doing, you're not lying about what you do. You're not faking it. I feel like if you posted content online that was de- deceptive, then there's a certain leeway for people to, hey, you kind of are asking people to be a little bit in your, in your, in your butt for saying something. For sure. Because if, imagine if somebody went on and said, um, I don't know, giving, just, this is a hypothetical situation. Somebody said, oh, this is what it's like to play in a situation. This is what I do. But they've never done that. Eh, eh. I can see why people would kind of be like, no, that's not okay. Right. But- if you legit do have, you know, proof or whatever you want to say that you've done that or just credibility within circles of people, I don't see a problem. For sure. So I think it's a nice balance. I think um, the the part where he says only is yeah. the key point that I think everybody missed. People get so heated online, man. Because listen, if, if somebody grows up like, I don't know, somebody's, imagine if someone was born yesterday and they just magically took a pill and they're like 19, like today or whatever, and they post videos and like they learn drums or whatever in their basement only, and they only posted videos, I can see what he's saying. Yep. And then imagine they posted something like, this is what it's like to be on tour. It's like, wait a minute, you've never been on tour. What are you talking about? 100%. So it, it's, it's complicated, but at the same time, it's almost not complicated. It's like, if you've done it, cool. If you haven't, cool too, but don't speak on that. David Ryan Harris commented something really amazing in response to that on the post. He said, he said I'm on the fence while the old school part of me wouldn't trade anything for the blood, sweat, and tears of being in them streets for 30-odd years, I do try to see the value in the new paradigm mm-hmm. if, for no other reason, I don't get left in the dust or become one of those back-in-my-day people. Thank you. 
That being said, I do think one, there is a level of vulnerability that these social media players have to be comfortable with, mm -hmm. whereby their audience can and will tell them in no uncertain terms if they hate their content. 100,000%. We were just talking about. Mm -hmm. Nobody ever came up to me and told me I sucked to my face and I'm pretty sure I would have deserved it on more than one occasion. And two, I think about what it means to inspire and be inspired. If I come across a lick, a vocal phrase, a chord progression or a rhythm that inspires me to create something new or challenges me to practice and aspire to be something higher, then the origin doesn't matter. Mm. Doesn't matter if I found it, if I found a, a dusty piano bench or my late father's record collection or in a sweaty nightclub. All of that being said, a lot of these kids are trafficking in musical empty calories, but I don't fault the delivery system. I love this debate. That's probably the best comment on the whole post. 